We are absolutely delighted to welcome Cheryl to Glasgow Elam. Cheryl is our church missionary. Um, every month we uh, donate money as a church over to the incredible work that they are doing over there. And I say every time I introduce Cheryl, but Cheryl and Nofi genuinely are two of my heroes. Um, the work that they are doing in Indonesia is outstanding. Cheryl's uh, originally from the west of Scotland. Um, she says she's from Greenwich, but she's not really. She can't call herself from Greenwich because she's from Kilmacoom. <laughs> which, uh, you know, some of us would say Eastport, Glasgow, but she says Kilmacoom, that's fine. Um, but Cheryl left her home uh, to follow the call of God where she is mum to loads of children who otherwise might not have mum. Her and her husband have rescued children from stuff that we don't even bear to think about and have supported mums in finding wholeness and healing and restoration from assault and different abuse that has taken place in their lives. And I don't want to say too much because obviously we're going to let Cheryl speak. But the work that they do on the cutting edge of things in Indonesia is absolutely astonishing in just manifesting the heart of Jesus and the love of Jesus to people. Um, and therefore, I think she deserves the biggest possible welcome that we can give her to honour her and the work that she does. Ladies and gentlemen, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you, Glasgow. It's been a great honour to be here, um, and that's quite a, a follow-up, a, quite a thing to follow up after that. Um, yes, I'm from Kilmacombe. Um, went to school in Greenock, that's why I say I'm a Greenock glass, because nobody really knows where Kilmacombe is anyway, really. Um, so just a little bit about myself. I grew up in Kilmacombe. I'm a farmer's lass. So while I've been home, I've been driving tractors, I've been cementing, I've been doing some fencing, kepping cows, the whole lot. So um, yeah, my dad likes to keep my feet on my ground, the ground when I come back. Amen. <laughs> but I just want to start off with saying that God has got a, a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. It's not just a select few that God calls, but it's only a select few that answer. And I'm really glad that the youth are here today, the young people. Is there anybody that's 14? Is anyone here 14? If they are, can you put your hand up so I can see you? No? 13, 14? There's a few up the back. Great. That's when God called me into missions. So never think you're too young to hear God and never think it's not the right time. God calls you from an early age and he's got a plan and a purpose for each of us and the sooner we listen and tap into that then the sooner we can walk into our destiny it took me a while okay I'm not totally um I I'm not going to go there I went through my years of rebellion I was a silly wee lass I did a lot of stupid things I tried a lot of doors before I actually answered the call and um, started moving into what God had for me. But it was when I was 14 years old that I felt God calling me into missions, and I didn't know what to do with it at 14, so I just did nothing about it for a long, long time. And then when I was in my late teens, I heard another guy from Scotland, the northeast of Scotland, talking about a mission trip that he'd been on. He went to China, and that really burned in my heart. 
And long story short, I went out on a mission trip to China and it ruined me for the ordinary. That mission trip ruined me for the ordinary. And I never felt the same again. I was never satisfied with just doing normal job, normal life. And so God had planted a seed in me and it grew and grew. It took a while to come to fruition, but God's timing is perfect. And everything that he did and allowed to happen in my life was training and preparation for me to go and do what I'm doing now. So I went to China for six months, one month, one year. The next year I went out for six months and God put a real burden in my heart for children. I had been working with kids all through church ministry since I was a teenager myself. I would work with the, the kids and the young people and the babies. So kids and young people and people at risk have always been on my heart, always been something that I've cared about. And so when I went to China, God was training me and preparing me. And I remember working with street kids on the border between Hong Kong and China. There was all these street kids and I used to play with them and feed them and give them little gifts or some clothes. And I remember saying to God, I would love to have a children's home where I could take in children like this and help them and give them a, a, a chance at life. A random prayer. Ten years later, it all came to fruition. So I was sitting in the office one day just saying, God, I know there's more to life than this. I know that you've got something for me, Lord. What is it? And within a month of that prayer, I had sent, I sent off an email to a couple of mission organizations. Within a month of that, I had chucked my job, rented out my house, sold my car, dumped my boyfriend, and I was on a plane going over to Australia where I went to do a YWAM, a Youth with a Mission Discipleship Training Course, DTS we call it, Discipleship Training School. And that completely changed me, it equipped me, it strengthened me and prepared me to go out into missions. And so while I was there, I was asking God, where do you want me to go? Now God can do anything with a surrendered life. So often we, we say, God, what do you want me to do? But our hands are shut. We have to have our hands open, God. I'm open, whatever you want me to do. And God will take you by the hand and he will lead you into all that he wants you to go. It's a wee bit scary. Initially, you kind of feel as if you're at the edge of a cliff and you don't know what's next, what the next step is. But when you take that step, the ground comes up to meet you. God's with you and he will prepare the way for you. He'll cause the ground to rise up. He'll cause the hills to level down and he will prepare the way and he will take you. I have now been out in missions for almost 20 years Never, and I have not worked a job since. And I have never gone without a meal because I couldn't, because I didn't have the capabilities. Maybe tried fasting, but I never have been in such a place where I've just felt abandoned and just didn't have enough. God has always prepared me, He's always equipped, and He's always given me everything I need. All glory to God. Amen. Amen. So when I was on my DTS, I was asking God, where do you want me to go? And he said, Indonesia. And I went, where? Where's Indonesia, Lord? I had to go and look at a map and find it. So for those of you who don't know, you've got Australia over here. It's just up and to the left of Australia. And so then I found out it was full of Muslims. And I said, oh God, I'm really quite scared of them. And God had to work in my heart and show me that Muslims are just normal people as well. They have hurts, they have hopes, they have pains, they have struggles the same as us, 
and they all need to know that there's a loving Savior who died for them. And so after that, God kind of worked in my heart. I was a wee bit rebellious. We were doing some evangelism on the beach and there was a girl with a burqa on and she was fully covered and God says, go and talk to her. I said, no, Lord, I'm scared. Cheryl, go and talk to her. No, Lord. Three times God asked me to go and speak to her and I was intimidated by what I saw and I said no. So God's a wee bit more stubborn than I am. So he actually brought that girl to come and she started up the conversation with me. (laughs) And within just a few minutes, I realized that she was a normal girl. She had her image issues, just the same as we had. had, She had her insecurities, she had her hopes and dreams. And it really just showed me that she was normal and that these people needed Jesus as much as we do. And at that point, I said, okay, God, I'll go. And so within just a few months, I'd been out in the training for nine months. I came back to Scotland to say hi and bye to my family for three months. And then I committed to go out to Indonesia for two years initially. And so my family kind of felt a wee bit cheated. They sent me away thinking she'll get it out of her system and then she'll come back and settle down. No, it didn't happen. (laughs) But my dad wisely said, Cheryl, the safest place for you to be is in the center of God's will. In Indonesia, if you go onto the government websites and ask what the risk factor is of going, quite often there's red alerts. And so a lot of people say, why would you go over to a terrorist country? Why would you go over to an extremist place? Blah, 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 all this could happen. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And I can stand here as a testimony to that. God has protected me and he shielded me and he has been with me each and every step of the way. It's been amazing. And so I went out to Indonesia, very green, didn't know any language at all. I could say apakabar, which means, how are you? But when they replied, I didn't understand. I just presumed it meant okay. Bike, bike. So I remember that as in a bike, as in bicycle. That meant you're all right. So I really was fully immersed. I had to just jump in, knew nothing, had to learn sentences like, there's rats in my room, can I buy a new mattress? And I'm too full no more food please because they were just killing me with kindness but God really was with me and he gave me the gift of the language within a very short time and I was very pleased to meet Lauren she's Indonesian so I went up and I was speaking to an Indonesian made her day a wee bit I think getting to speak her mother tongue but it's an amazing um, Indonesia is an amazing country beautiful the culture is rich the people are so friendly and hospitable and accommodating and it really is a beautiful place to be so I loved being in Indonesia and I really felt as if that's where God wanted me to be but I was limited to a two-year visa or a study visa and so I was asking God how can I stay how can I be in Indonesia longer what's your plan for me and I tagged on to the end of the prayer can you tell me if I'm ever going to get married or not God I don't mind if I'm not but can you just let me know And within two weeks, he answered both my questions by introducing me to who is now my husband, Nofi. So I will show you the next slide. There you go. So this is my husband, Nofi. That was our anniversary. I've got him trained. He now buys me flowers for our anniversary. Only took him 16 years, but he got there now. So we met and married within nine months. And God... I think it's quite unique. I got married and I became mum to 29 children. I don't think there's anyone else that can say that really, yeah? <laughs> um, so yeah, 
Nofi is Indonesian, as you can see. He grew up in Jakarta. His mum is from the island of Sulawesi and his dad is from the island of Ambon. So he's got a mixed culture within his family. But we, he did his DTS in Surabaya and then, sorry, in Jakarta and then moved to Surabaya where he was actually the pioneer with a team that started off a street feeding project in Surabaya. And from that, it led on to a children's home. And so they opened their doors and started receiving at-risk children and giving them a home and putting them through school. So when I joined them, when we got married in 2007, we had 29 children at that point from various islands around Indonesia, and they're all at-risk children. So they've come from abuse or neglect or extreme poverty or they've been abandoned or whatever. There's always, each child has their own story as to why they've been there. And so our heart is to give them a home, to give them an education and to teach them that there's a heavenly father who knows their name, who knows who they are and he's got a plan and a purpose for their life. They're not a mistake, they're not forgotten, but they are important. And so that's our heart is to to teach these kids that they are special and that they're here for a reason. So that our children's home is our main home. So that was a picture, it was the first slide, that was the actual building that we, that's another story in itself and a real miracle how God provided and we were able to build a home for these kids. Uh, it's got 15 rooms in it. So we've got 10 rooms upstairs. The boys' corridor has got five rooms and the girls' corridor has got five rooms. And we t- have, live with them. We live downstairs, our, my husband and I and our two children, Kayla and Judah, you're here today. So we live on site. And so I am the mum, or mammy, and dad, Nofi's the dad, or papa. And we don't have, we, it's not an orphanage, I hate that word. It's a children's home, we are a big family, and so the staff are our aunties and uncles, the children's aunties and uncles, and we all live together. And so we try to run it as a regular home. There's rules, there's routines, and... Um, we all have our part to play within the home. So that's the main ministry we have. But we were also able to um, branch out and we have a single mum's home now as well. So it's becoming more and more apparent that just taking the children of these unmarried mothers that have had a baby through one way or another, whether it was by choice or not, they were coming to us. And it just seemed wrong to be taking their children to help them but then you're separating a mother from her baby and that's that's just not right. So we opened another home and we now take in vulnerable young women with their children and we help to disciple the women. We help to give them a strong support and help them to um, launch off with the knowledge that they've got a God that loves them and that he has got a plan. Even though they've got children, their plan's not worked out the way they thought it was going to, but God has got an ulterior plan for them. I'll talk a wee bit more about that later. Everybody wants to meet the kids, yeah? So this is our children. We have got 27 in our house just now and um, six in the the single mum's home. Actually, there's 27 in my home because just this week we received a new little boy who's come to live with us. But at present, we have our four that are in senior high school, and that's our junior high schoolers, plus my daughter. She's junior high now as well. Judah, my son, is in with the primary school. 
and then we've got kindergarten and we've got two preschoolers and we've got a girl in university. And that wasn't enough mouths to feed, so we added a dog into the mix. <laughs> so the next one, we'll show you a picture of our whole big family. So this is the children and the children and their mothers from the single home that is in our, under our care. So that's our wonderful big family. But it, it's our heart that every Christmas, every person that lives under our roof gets a gift. And you guys have been instrumental in helping that happen as well. So I want to thank you for the support that we get through. It helps us to be able to buy every kid and every staff and every mum a little gift that shows them that they are seen, that they are valued, and they are special. So this is the very calm picture before the countdown from three. And then they're all allowed to open their gifts. And what took me... Three days of constant wrapping was going like that. Three seconds and all the gift wrapping was on the floor. Complete mess, but there was a lot of squeals and laughter and absolute delight as they all opened up their presents. So that's our big family. So you may be asking, what do you do? What, how, what does it look like to be in a children's home and have so many kids? Well, for one, it's noisy, as I'm sure you can imagine. Always noisy. From five o'clock in the morning... The bell rings at quarter two and we all get up and we have morning devotion. So we teach them to put God first. The very first thing we do when we wake up is we give God the glory. We give him his time and we make him the center of our day. And so we teach the kids to make God their first point in life in the morning. So we have morning devotions and then school days, they're off to school at 6.15 in the morning. So all you kids that think school starting at nine is a bit early, our school starts at seven and the kids are in the car ready to go by quarter past 20 past six in the morning. We also do, in the free time, we have activities. So we'll take them swimming sometimes. Um, badminton is one of their latest hobbies. Um, we do prayer groups. We do action groups, little disciple classes. Um, we have fun days. We have sports days. And um, yeah, lots of fun, lots of times. And we just had the privilege recently of baptizing six of our, our older kids, which was a real, a real privilege and honor for us. So the second house we're talking about is our DTS and, and single mums. So we're actually doing two things alongside each other just now. Our single mums came to us so last year. I'm sure I shared about it last year. We had six mums that came to us. They came with their children and we took them through a DTS, a discipleship training school. And so that enabled them to be healed from their trauma, to be um, restored and refreshed, to learn what God has got for them and to get rid of all the junk in the past. And you were talking about the JCB just clearing away the mess. They had a lot of mess. They had a lot of baggage, a lot of trauma and they couldn't see past it. One of the girls, let me find her. Um... Actually, our daughter's there. So our daughter's the one sitting down at the end. She was, um, no, actually, I'm talking about another one. Anyway, there was a girl that did the DTS, and she had been abused, and that's how she became pregnant. And she was very, very traumatized and couldn't speak to people, was traumatized with men. But God completely freed her from that to the point that she took me on a walk for two hours and I couldn't get a word in edgeways. And it's kind of hard going to beat me. I can talk the back end off a horse. And she normally couldn't string two sentences together. And she invited me out for a walk and I'm thinking, ah, it's going to be a long two hours. 
talking to somebody, it's like getting blood out of stone. I could not get a word in edgeways. God had just restored her and she was just bubbling over about what God had done and how she'd seen how he'd been at each difficult point in her life, how he'd been there and he'd put people in place to help her. So she's now come back to us and she's working with us and she is a completely renewed person, restored her relationship with her daughter who's now 10 and they're working, they're living with us and working with us. And it's amazing to see the restoration in her, her life. The girl that I was pointing to there, her mum was a slave. And so she was routinely abused to the point that she was also pregnant. And then she had major issues with trust. And um, she always felt as if she wasn't good enough. So she would always look up to us, put us on a pedestal, serve us. But it wasn't serving out of a joyful, free heart. It was serving out of the feeling that she had to do it because she wasn't worth anything. She was just a slave. She was of the lower caste. God set her free from that and gave her the joy of the spirit. And she's laughing, which we'd never heard before. And she's just lost the nagging. She used to nag all the kids and they all didn't like her very much. But God freed her from that and just gave her a real heart for the kids. And she apologized to them. She prays for them. And she laughs, which she'd never done before. And it's amazing. It had an amazing impact on her teenage daughter, who was starting to go astray. It's brought her back and just showed her that God's got her. God's got her mum. And God can do an amazing thing. So God's really changed the woman that went through the DTS last year, restored them, refreshed them. And now they are working with us. So... um, in the middle row, the two in the middle, one that's got a little boy in her knee, that's Daphne, and the one next to her, Annie, they were two of the mums that went through the DTS, and they are now staffing this year's DTS, and they have got seven pe- students, and they are currently on outreach. So what we do is we do a three-month lecture phase where we're teaching them God's plan and purpose, God's character, um, teaching them about repentance and forgiveness, um, intercession teaching them how to pray and just major the foundations of our christian faith we teach them that and we equip them and then we send them out on outreach for three months where they go and they put into practice everything they learned and they go and share god's love and god's message to people that are lost and hurting so it's amazing to see these mums how they're completely they're taking what they've learned and they're applying it to the next group of people that are coming along and now we're seeing that these people are having an a major they're having a major transformation in their lives and they're going out and starting to pass on. So it's a chain reaction. So it's amazing what God can do with one surrendered life, yeah? We may be underestimate, God, it's just me, what can I do? Never underestimate what God can do when you say yes to him, yeah? Abraham said yes, and we're all children of Abraham. Look at what happened when Abraham said yes, when Joshua said yes. God just needs one person to say yes and he can do untold things with that yes. Yeah, Every person has a season and every season has a person. Yeah, You could be the person for the next season. So don't, don't listen to your inhibitions. Don't listen to your, the inner voice that's telling you it's not you, you can't do it. Say yes to God and just leave the details up to him. Because I'm not a clever person necessarily. I'm not um, well educated, normal level, high school, but I didn't go to university. 
I don't have all these letters after my name. I didn't have experience in all the right areas or whatever. But I said yes, and God has taken my life, and he's taken it in a completely different direction from what I thought. I was thinking I was just going to work in an office or be an instructor, a fitness instructor, or a lorry driver. That was some of the ideas I had for myself growing up. But God just kind of took my little idea and just blew it right out of the water. And now I'm mum to over 33 kids and I've got all these people around about me and God's just doing an amazing thing and through our work here. I want to just tell you the next stage that's happened in our life. So we had rented a new house for the single mums and then we realised it was actually in quite a state of disrepair and the, the contract was about to be finished. So when I spoke to the owner, she says, right, I won't let it out to you again. I'm going to close it and refurbish it. I said, yeah, that's fine. That's what I was thinking too. Wait a minute. I now have to find a house for over 20 people and I'm going to Scotland in three, four months' time. Oops. So I then had to... I literally got on my little motorbike and I went up and down every single street in our area looking for houses with for sale or for rent signs and I was phoning them up asking how many bedrooms you have. I needed like seven bedrooms, so that's not on the average house letting list, is it? Um, But God, yeah, he kind of let me stress about it for a wee while, let me do all the groundwork, but God had a plan so people are saying, what was your budget? And well, I don't really have a budget. But I says, well, I could maybe manage in Indonesian money 40, 45 million, which I think I've got around here, is equivalent about 3,000, 3,500 pounds, roughly. It's one pound is about 19,500 rupiah just now, approximately. So I was saying, right, I can manage about 4.5 million, sorry, 45 million. Everything that I was seeing was 75, 100, 125, and it was way out of budget. And I'm thinking, God, you need to come up with something here. This is getting a bit desperate. I need to get ready before I leave to Scotland because the contract finishes while I'm here. And God provided a house, long story short, he provided a house that was everything that we needed and more. And it was amazing. So first, I seen this house. It was 50 million. I thought, right, okay, that's okay. It needed a lot of work. And they says, well, we'll give you it for 43. I'm good at bartering, so I got them down to 43. And she says, right, we'll do that. We'll price lock it for six years for you and give you a month to renovate. I said, that sounds pretty good. I was like, right, Nofi, can we go for it? And he's like, mm, I don't know. I feel as if God's got something else up his sleeve. And I was like, this is the something else. You're not going to get cheaper than this. So I bullied them to the point that he said yes. The very next morning, God didn't even give me 24 hours to gloat about it. The next morning, one of my boys phoned and said, Mum, remember my friend, his parents have got a house that's lying empty. And I said, aye, the one that's only got three bedrooms. He said, aha, they'll give it to us for 12 million. So the general houses were about 100 million. I'd found one at 43. This is one at 12 million. I was just like, oh. So I had to eat a wee bit of humble pie. I had Nofi going, I told you so. You weren't being patient. You weren't waiting for God. So we get this house. It only did have three bedrooms, but the owners gave us permission to, to do what we had to do. It was a massive space, so we could actually just put partitions up. And within a week, I had an extra five bedrooms, and I've got another one in the process. 
And when we said we wanted a longer contract, they says, well, I can give it to you for six years. And when I said I would love the six years, they says, we'll give you an extra discount. And they gave us it for 10 million. So I ended up paying, I've written it down here, 3,200, and that covers six years. Isn't God good? He deserves a clap for that, yeah? (laughs) So it was absolutely amazing to see how God provided and provided more than what we looked for or what we expected. This house is quality. It's got hardwood flooring all through it. It's got marble. It's got engraved wood. The photo doesn't do it justice. It's beautiful. And it'd been lying empty for five years. They'd never put a for sale or for rent sign on it. They'd never advertised it. It'd just been lying there. And when it was Christians that owned it, and they said, we just were happy for it to be involved in ministry. We're delighted that it can be used for God's glory. And so that's why they were so willing to give us an amazing price and let us know who it had. So now we have just moved all the, the single mums in the DTS I worked very hard before I came over to the point of 11 o'clock at night, covered in dust and rust and mold and all sorts. And we worked as a team day and night and just managed to see complete transformation. And then I left and the team were able to, to move in and they just are falling over themselves, thanking God for the amazing provision and how he's got them. And so it's been absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> My voice is starting to go. So recently what's been happening is we've had um, DTS people coming from Norway. We had a a team from Norway that asked if they could come and do their outreach with us. And so this DTS came and worked with us for two months and we we did a lot of ministry together. We were in villages preaching and sharing God's heart with the, the villagers. We were in cities speaking to the people in the city. We were going into really poor communities and sharing God's heart with them. And then they were also involved with my children's home, doing English lessons, doing games, and all sorts with with our kids. And it's amazing when you've got a team with you, you can do things that you can't normally do. So I've been living in this community now for 18 years, and there's just certain things that you can't do when you're staying there. But when you have a team, it's as if God opens up new opportunities. And there's an island where it's very closed and it's very resistant to the gospel, and any time you go over, you just feel a real heaviness and a darkness, and it's, it's really difficult. Well, this team, uh, Norway, have adopted this people group, and they're praying for them. They've got a heart, and they wanted to go over to the island. And so I took them over with very small expectations. But God takes our small, and he just blows it out of the water. And what happened is we got the chance to meet the mayor. He closed his office to meet with us, and then they then... Um, was so happy with us that he put on a bus and he took us round the island and he opened up the whole island to us and gave us opportunities to be driving through areas, be praying for them. We were actually playing worship music in the bus, which was blowing my head out. It was just like, this this can't happen. This isn't allowed. It's amazing what happens when when God's in the, the, the equation, what he did. He just gave us complete permission and wherever we went we were praying for the people we were blessing them carefully like not out out and out just like speaking the name of Jesus but just praying for them and it's just opening up the way so 
I want to encourage you, if you're ever interested in coming out and seeing what it's all about, doing a little bit of missions, and you're interested in what is missions, then you get the opportunity to come and spend some time at my place and be involved in a little mission trip. You can take a team, you can come as a family, uh, on your own, a couple, and come and see what missions is all about. You get an, a chance to come um, to share in churches, to share with the children, to be in different areas and making an impact and just seeing what God has for you. For me, when I was young, I went out on a mission trip and it ruined me for the ordinary. God just gave us, um, showed me that he had a different plan for my life than, than the regular plan. And it might be speaking to you today as well and saying, I would like you to go. I'd like you to open your heart and open your mind as to what I want to do in your life. And you're never too young and you're never too old. God has always got a plan. So I'm always very happy to have teams or visitors come out and, and work with us for a while. So people are always asking, how can I be involved? Well, you're already involved. You guys are partnering with us. You are supporting us. And we are so thankful for that because maybe we're out on the front line, but you guys are the guys that are holding our arms up. Yeah, You are supporting us and helping us to keep doing what we're doing. We couldn't be making a, a difference in children's lives, in young adults, and young mothers' lives if we didn't have the backing of, from churches like you. And so I just want to say a big thank you because it really is an amazing thing that you guys are doing, that you are a part of it. So it's not Cheryl Noffy's ministry, it's God's ministry, and you're part of that, you're involved. Supporting us through prayer and financial assistance is what keeps things going. And so I just want to say thank you and let you know that it really it isn't forgotten, it doesn't go unseen. We do really appreciate everything that you do. And we would love if you did want to come and support us or get to know us a wee bit more. So things that you can do to be involved is praying for us, is contributing financially, which you do. But I'm really happy if you want to build relationships with us and with our children. And one of the ways you can do that is by sponsoring a child and then you can get to know the kids. You can be in contact with them. You can write to them or email them. You can get little updates, and I'll tell you a little bit about their background. I could point to each child and tell you a story about each and every one, why they came to us. They all came to us because they needed to. They'd been abandoned at birth, or they had been um, their, their parents get taken away from them, or they've, they've lost a parent. There's been a lot of trauma in these lives. So there's a, a story for each child, which I don't have time to go into today. But we would love if you were interested in standing with these kids. And you can watch them as they grow up and, and get little updates as to how they're doing. Another way you could uh, be with us is just supporting our staff. All of our staff are volunteers. None of them are paid for what they do. They actually have to pay us a little staff fee in order to cover their cost of living there. But So they all are serving out of... Um, out of they're serving God they're all doing it because they know it's what God has for them and so you can come and walk along beside them and support them in that other way you could um, support us is just praying for Nofi and I our ministry's growing so we started off with our children's home with our 29 kids then we got our single mums had another six with their kids and now we've got the DTS students so there's there's about 55 people in our ministry just now and so as things expand the pressures expand, the, the burdens expand, but also 
God's grace expands, yeah? And so really, um, we love it. We love what we're doing and we want to do more. And the more people that are standing with us and the more we can do. We have a little piece of land on a different island and our heart is to be able to open another children's home there in a training center and take in kids and grow, disciple them and grow them up and then send them out. So there's many, many things that we would like to do and we just we need more people to stand with us and see what God wants um, to happen in the future. Um, yeah, and I've, I've already covered. We'd love for you to come. If you're curious, you want to know more, you want to spend a week, see what it's like to live in a children's home, then you're more than welcome to come and do that. Can't promise you're going to get a lot of sleep and a, a good rest at night. It's very hot, it's very noisy, but it's also so much fun just spending time with the kids. It kind of ruins you for the ordinary. And if you want a few more stories, you can ask Stuart over there because he came out and spent some time with us a few years ago. And um, I think it made quite an impact, yeah? <laughs> okay, I think I've talked long enough. My voice is starting to go, as it always does. Um, there's one last slide that people often ask, what do you need? What are your needs? So I, I kind of hesitate putting this on, but I'm just going to put it up here to let you see. And if um, any of you feel that's something you'd want to help in, then feel free, but do not feel obliged at all. We've had this house that we built. It was an answer to prayer. But unfortunately, the builders cut a few corners and didn't do the job very well. And so now we're starting to see that. And so we need to replace our whole roof because every single room there's water getting in. We often get tremors or little earthquakes and also thunderstorms, they vibrate the buildings. So it separates the tiles on the roof and then the water gets in. So we've fixed it umpteen times and it's just not working. So we now have to bite the bullet and replace the roof. Um, our DTS students, they come to us and we charge them for their accommodation and the school fee but most of them come with absolutely nothing, literally just the clothes on their back. And so we don't turn them away, but we teach them to trust God for their finances, to trust God with their future. And we journey with them and we are in faith and we're praying with them and for them that they will see God come through. Because we're not just wanting to just hand money and make it easy, but we show them that when they are on their knees and crying out to God, God will answer. And it could be through you, it could be through me, or it could be through my completely unforeseen source. But God always helps us when we need it at the right time. And that's what we teach the, the, our disciples that come in. So that's just some of the things that we have there. If anybody's interested, you can come and talk to me at the end. I also have a few um, things up the back that I'm selling. So one of the other things that we do to support people in a poor community, my friends, my first disciples, they're very skilled seamstresses. They make things and they have taught their women how to make bags and scarves and earrings and things like that. And so I bring some of their products over to sell them and that helps these women in their vulnerable situations. It helps to, to help them to support themselves and support their, their, their families or their, their young children. And also my son has designed a little t-shirt. So he's drawn the island of islands of Indonesia with the background of the Indonesian flag. And so we've got a few t-shirts printed up the back as well. So all these things, if you um, see anything you fancy catches your eye, all of that helps to support the ministry and what we're doing. Okay, so feel free to come and talk to him at the end. And 
I just want to say once again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. And thank you for journeying with us. Yeah. And remember that God has got a plan and a purpose for each and every one. And all we have to do is just say yes to God, open our hearts to him and allow him to take us wherever he, he wants. And you will never be disappointed. His plans, his purpose for us is so much bigger than the plans and purposes we've ever even imagined or dreamed of for ourselves. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And so I just want to encourage you to give your whole heart, your whole life to Jesus and allow him to have free will in your life. You will never regret it and he will just take you so much further. Amen. Thank you.